Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with God named Cyrus as we pick up in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. In the 41st chapter of Isaiah, in the first part of the chapter, God begins his predictions concerning Cyrus, who was not yet born, a man who was not to be born for 150 years. But God begins to talk about him, how he's going to raise him up, how he's going to prosper him, how he's going to give him a kingdom and subdue nations before him. We'll find that God actually names him. In order to prove that I'm really God, there's no one else like me, I'm going to call you by your name, it is Cyrus, and and he calls him his servant and so forth. So that it is interesting that God begins 150 years before a man is born to tell about his life and what God is going to do through his life. Keep silence before me, O ye coast. The word islands there is literally coast. And let the people renew their strength. Let them come near. Let them speak. Let us come near together to judgment. Now as he speaks of Cyrus, he said, who raised up the righteous man from the east? He called him to his foot. He gave the nations before him and made him to rule over the kings. Now, the question is, who did this? And the answer is, I, the Lord, the last part of verse four. He made him to rule over the kings. He gave them as the dust to his sword and as driven stubble to his bow. For he, that is Cyrus, pursued them and passed safely, even by the way that he had not gone with his feet. Who has wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning or naming the persons from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first, and with the last, I am he. So the question, who's raised up this man? Who's brought him forth? Who has given him the kingdom? I, the Lord. The coast saw it, and they feared. The ends of the earth were afraid, and they drew near and came. They helped everyone his neighbor, and everyone said to his brother, Be of good courage. So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith, and he that smoothed with the hammer, and him that smote with the anvil, saying, It is ready for the soldering. And he fastened it with nails that it should not be moved. But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, my friend. Now, beginning with verse 8, he turns his attention away from Cyrus and now to Israel, to the nation, to Jacob. You're my servant, God declares. And in Isaiah, Isaiah speaks of Israel as the servant of the Lord. And then, of course, it speaks of Jesus Christ as the servant of the Lord. And also David is mentioned as God's servant in the book of Isaiah. Uh, We will, as we progress, come to quite a discourse on that righteous servant, Jesus Christ, that God has raised up. But here, Jacob and Israel 
I have chosen the seed of Abraham, my friend. And Abraham has the title of the friend of God. What a beautiful title. Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, and I have called thee from the chief men, and I said unto thee, Thou art my servant, I have chosen thee, and not cast thee away. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Now, uh, in a very narrow sense, this is a promise that God has made unto his chosen, unto Jacob and Israel, whom he will call together from the ends of the earth where they have been scattered. God said, I have not cast thee away. Now, there is a teaching today that is not scriptural, and that is that God has cast away the nation of Israel and that God's purposes now will be fulfilled through the church that Israel has been rejected and cast away. That is not scriptural. In fact, the whole prophecy of Hosea is dedicated to God taking back the unfaithful wife and redeeming her again and, and taking her for his bride once more. And the whole book of Hosea is a, a simile it's an allegorical type of a book. And even as God said, go down and take a wife and marry her, and he bore children, and then he had a child that he said, hey, that's not mine. Called it Loami, not my child. And she left and went out and, and became a harlot, a prostitute. And, and after years of time, God said to Hosea, now go find your wife and redeem her. She had sold her life. And, he, and God said, buy her back and, and take her as your wife once again and restore her. And, and then God spoke about how he was going to restore Israel. Paul said, has God cast them away whom he has chosen? God forbid. And Paul, all the way through his teaching, tells about how God is going to restore them again. And if the cutting off was the salvation of the Gentiles, what will the gathering together of them be? God's working with them once more, but the kingdom age. Know ye not, he said in Romans 11, that blindness has happened to Israel in part until the fullness of the Gentiles come in, but then all Israel shall be saved, as saith the scripture. So go forth, they deliver out of Zion and so forth. So God is yet to work with them. And when God begins to work with them, we will have entered in to the final seven years of Satan's rule upon the earth. The final seven years prior to the establishing of God's kingdom upon the earth. In the ninth chapter of Daniel, and we'll be coming to Daniel in a few months, he declares 77s are determined upon the nation Israel. 
And from the time the commandment goes forth to restore and rebuild Jerusalem to the coming of the Messiah, the Prince, will be 69 sevens. But the Messiah will be cut off. So the 70th seven will complete the prophecies, to seal up the prophecies, to anoint the most holy place, and to bring in the everlasting righteousness, that kingdom of everlasting righteousness. So you've got a 70th seven that was unfulfilled which is yet future, which will begin when Russia is destroyed by God in her abortive invasion of Israel. So God is going to once more deal with the nation Israel in a very special way after he has completed his work among the Gentiles. So here God declares... I have chosen thee, I have not cast thee away. They are God's chosen people. You can't get away from it. God has not cast them away. They have, in a sense, cast God away, as Isaiah will talk in the next few chapters of how they have uh, not offered the sacrifices to God, how they have shut God out, but God has not shut them out but shall yet deal with them in a very remarkable way. Now God speaks about those that have been incensed against them, and surely these people have been a persecuted people. And it is indeed tragic that much of the persecution against the Jew has arisen from the church. I think that God is one of the most mal-aligned persons in the universe. Maligned by Satan. How he's maligned God. And in the eyes of the people of the world, they say, well, the Protestants are fighting the Catholics over in Ireland. That's not a Protestant-Catholic kind of a thing. It's a political thing. They are not Christians against Christians as such. It's a whole political issue, but yet they call it the Protestants against the Catholics. And, and it makes it look like God is, you know, stirring up people against each other. Surely it is not Christian, nor have many of the things that have been done by the church or in the name of the church through history been Christian at all. Many things have been done in the name of Christianity. And, and you look at people say, well, we are Christians. And they are not. Jesus said, not all who say, Lord, Lord, are going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so because of what people have done in the name of Christ, because of those that have persecuted the Jews in the name of Jesus Christ, it has created a great bitterness in the heart of many Jews, and rightfully so, for the church, and against Christianity because they usually equate the church with Christianity. We are over in Israel quite a bit, and, and we have many friends over there, and they'll get going in their talking and all, and they'll start talking about, well, those Christians, you know, and those Christians. And we say, wait a minute. Hold on. We're Christians. Oh, no, they said, you're Calvary Chapel Christians. You're different, you know. <laughs> you love us. We know you love us. 
And they recognize over there a difference between Christians and Christians. They have a greater discernment than we often do. People so often just lump Christian America, you know. And so if you're not a communist, not an atheist, you're a Christian, you know. But a Christian is much more than that. He is one who has submitted his life to the lordship of Jesus Christ. One who seeks to follow Jesus Christ. One who lives his whole life governed by the Lord. So it is not loving him in word, but in deed and in truth. Now God said, I am... All of those that were incensed against you shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing. And they that strive with thee shall perish. Now, it doesn't pay to strive with them. God says, I've chosen you. I've not cast you away. Those that strive with you are going to perish. God promised to Abraham, I will bless those that bless thee, and I will curse those that curse thee. Jesus in the judgment, not the final judgment, but in the judgment that he will bring when he returns to the earth and gathers together the nations for judgment. The judgment against the nations will be concerning their treatment of the Jews. For he said, I was hungry, and you did not feed me. Thirsty, you did not give me to drink. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick, and you did not help me. Lord, when did we see you hungry, naked, thirsty, sick? He said, inasmuch as you did it not to the least of these, my brethren, the Jews, you have not done it unto me. He still refers to them as his brethren. They've been chosen of God. God has not cast them away. I oftentimes get hate mail from from even ministers because they've heard of how Calvary Chapel has uh, sought to help the Jewish people. What a love we have for them and how that we've sought to demonstrate our love in practical ways, contributing to their hospitals, contributing to many of the projects in Israel. And we get all this kind of hate mail because of it, and a lot of times from pastors, for they feel that God has cut them off, that, you know, God is through with them, and how can you, you know, reach out and arm to help and to love those that God has cast off. But God says, I've not cast them off. God has promised to bless those that bless them. And And God has blessed us. Who can deny it? And so all of those that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed. They'll be confounded. They'll be as nothing. They that strive with thee shall perish. You will seek them and you will not find them. Even those that contended with you And they that war against you shall be as nothing and as a thing of nothing. Boy, it doesn't pay to go over and talk to the Egyptians, I'll tell you. 
For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. And who can deny but what God has not helped these people immeasurably? Fear not, thou worm Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will help thee, saith the Lord, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Behold, I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument having teeth, and you will thresh the mountains and beat them small. You will make the hills as chaff. Thou shalt fan them, and the wind shall carry them away, and the whirlwind shall scatter them, and thou shalt rejoice in the Lord and shalt glory in the Holy One of Israel. When the poor and needy seek water and there is none and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open up rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys and I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. And I will plant in the wilderness the cedar and the acacia trees and the myrtle and the oil trees. And I will set in the desert the fir tree and the pine and the box tree together that they may see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord hath done this and the Holy One of Israel hath created it. To go over to Israel today is, a, is just a live experience in the fulfillment of prophecy as you see these things of which Isaiah spoke uh, actually being fulfilled. Areas that were once parched wilderness, desert areas. You see the vast irrigation project, the pools of water. You see the giant sprinkler systems and all that they have as they have become a very strong agricultural nation. Planting hundreds of millions of trees in those wilderness areas. And the interesting thing, the various types of trees for the various benefits that each tree gives. Planting the pine tree and the fir tree because they have a capacity of, of growing almost on rocks. The roots go down into the crevices and as they grow down and they begin to grow, then they crack the rocks. And with the rocks cracking, the rain of course comes and, and carries the topsoil on down and they're forming tremendous topsoil in the valleys and getting tremendous agricultural crops again and planting uh, the eucalyptus trees in the marsh areas because they drink up so much water. And their whole project of reforestation of Israel is just an exciting thing. And here all predicted in Isaiah, as God declares, I've not cast them off and what he is going to do. And the purpose of doing is that, that they might see and know and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord hath done this. Now, I like this. God, God makes a challenge to those false gods that the people were worshiping at that time. And he said, produce your cause, saith the Lord. Bring forth your strong reason saith the king of Jacob. Let them bring them forth and show us what shall happen. Let them show the former things what they are, that we may consider them and know the latter end of them or declare us things that are yet to come. Show the things 
that are to come after these things, that we may know that you are gods. Yea, do something good or do it evil, that we may be dismayed and behold it together. Behold, you are of nothing, and your work is not. An abomination is he who chooses you. So God speaks out against uh, the worship of the false gods that the Israelites were involved in at this particular period of their history. They said, now look, if they're really gods, let them tell us something before it happens so that after it happens, we really know that they know what they're talking about. And he's challenging them in the area of prophecy. Now, prophecy is one of the strongest arguments for the inspiration of the scriptures. The fact that God has spoken in advance of things that would happen, giving the names of persons, the names of places, and detailing the events that would be happening, and the fact that they have been fulfilled becomes one of the strongest arguments for the inspiration of the scriptures. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Isaiah on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Isaiah 41 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Now may the Lord be with you and bless you. May He give you a good week. May you just experience more and more the grace and the fullness of our Lord. As you yield your lives to Him, may you discover God's blessed plan that He has in mind for you. And may you not come short in any spiritual gift. May you abound in all things in Christ Jesus as we wait for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. The Lord be with you, and the Lord bless you. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. This Christmas, why not give the gift of God's Word by choosing the Word for Today Bible, featuring Chuck Smith's notes highlighting a simple understanding of the Scriptures. This Bible includes an exhaustive concordance, cross-references, in-text and color maps, words of Christ in red, and Chuck Smith's commentary notes, including Hebrew and Greek word origins. And... 
In the Word for Today Bible softcover edition, we've included Chuck Smith's book, How Can a Man Be Born Again, which is very informative for a new believer. It's our prayer that as your loved ones read the Word for Today Bible, Chuck's commentaries will give a simple understanding into the scriptures, causing God's Word to come to life in their heart, not only drawing them into a closer relationship with the Lord, but stirring them to passionately serve God. For more information, please call the Word for Today at 800-272-9673 or visit us online at thewordfortoday.org to read a preview.